Welcome to Bite-Sized Agency Briefs, a webinar series that packs a ton of important agency information on one topic from one expert into a 25-minute brief. Why 25 minutes? Because who has the attention span for much more these days? And you can squeeze in a listen between meetings with time for a bathroom break or coffee refill before your next meeting. Thanks for tuning in. This is Bite Size Agency Briefs. I'm your host, Steve Guberman from Agency Outsight, where I coach agency owners to build the agency of their dreams. Uh, today, I get to talk with Liz Young from Studio Labs. They're a 20-year-old, 45-ish person uh, custom software development shop. Um, Liz, thanks for joining me. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited to dig into your story and kind of learn about Studio Labs and what you guys are doing there. Um, so can you start by kind of giving a backstory of you know how it all started you know way back when and what prompted yeah, you sure. to start a software shop? Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I always tell people this story is is less interesting to me than it is to other people that hear it for some reason. But I was 25 years old. I was working at a small um, creative digital agency in Manhattan um, and September 11th happened. Um, mm. And uh, the agency that I was working for, I was a I was an art director there. The agency that I was working for, again, it was a small shop, really cool people, really amazing work. They had had a bunch of contracts with companies like Coca-Cola and Volkswagen, like pretty, pretty big names. But after September 11th, slowly but surely, those big names started pulling out a lot of uh, out of a lot of the events that are that the agency was actually doing work for. Right. The 2003 Winter Olympics, um, the, the, the summer um, uh, World Cup soccer that that following summer. So. They, you know, Coca-Cola pulls out, you know, Volkswagen pulls out of these events for fear of what was, you know, kind of happening mm -hmm. in the world at that time. And so the agency shut its doors. I then, you know, that was, that was, again, that was early 2002, I guess. Right. And so I just started freelancing. I was freelancing for all the agencies in Manhattan that were laying people off, but still needed work to get done. Um, so they were hiring all these freelancers and, and, and letting go of, of full-time employees. And I did that for a year and a half or so. And then again, like I said, when I was 25, 2003, um, I got my first kind of big break. Um, I, I, a friend got me an RFP from Casio. Remember Casio, like G-Shock watches, watches, things like that. Yeah. Uh -huh. G-Shock needed a new website. Um, they wanted it to be really cool. Jeremy Shockey, the, 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 I think he was a tight end maybe, or somebody from the New York Giants mm -hmm. was going to be their spokesman. Um, and somehow I managed to pull together a proposal that let these guys, we, I won the proposal to do the G-Shock website. Um, and right then and there, I had mm -hmm. to pull together a tax ID number, you know, hire some people. And it kind of <laughs> just snowballed from there. In all honesty, it was, uh, it was not really super thought through. Um, I will say that my first hire after that was a bookkeeper because um, that's definitely not my forte, but yeah, that, it was a, it was a very, it was a series of misfortunate events that kind of then snowballed into kind of turning out to be something that shaped the rest of my life anyways. Yeah. Which is a crazy similar story that I had. We had already been established as an agency, but we also won an RFP that like on paper, who was making this decision? We shouldn't have won it. <laughs> and I feel like that's kind of where you were. It was like, I'll take a shot. If they give it to me, we'll figure it out. And if not, I'll keep freelancing. Yeah. Is that kind of where you were? Totally. I, I applied yeah. for the EIN 
in the conference room at Casio when they told me I won it. <laughs> I didn't That's even amazing. have a tax ID number. I was I was freelancing under my social security number, you know, for you know a year and a half prior to that. So yeah. So quick, st- set up a uh, an agency while I'm waiting. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So so you started doing like B to C websites. Um, yep. You're a designer turned developer almost, right? Like, what was that mm-hmm. evolution for you? Was that kind of as a requirement? Yeah, I mean, it. You know, in college, I didn't do any any real, you know, code writing or anything. It was all design work, and then, and of course, back then there was, you know, Flash was all the rage. And so, when you, you know, wanting to do more with Flash, I started to learn ActionScript, which mm-hmm. by the time AS3 came out, it was very similar to JavaScript, right? Dot mm-hmm. syntax. So um, it, it just kind of snowballed from there. I would never have called myself a developer. I was. I was proficient enough in the front end to build out prototypes of the things that I was designing, but would never ever have called myself a front end developer. Um, that would be that would be doing serious, you know, uh, unjust to all of the folks mm-hmm. out there that are actually really developers. So, um, so yeah, I was at, at first I was designing and building little things, you know, little you know landing pages, microsites. Um, of course, banner ads, why not banner ads? You know, every, every, everybody had to design and build banner ads back then. Um, but yeah, I, I got another pretty big break, um, when a friend of mine, uh, out in Seattle called me and said, Hey, look, I've got, um, this company, uh, called DoubleClick, uh, that is hired, has hired me, him, uh, to travel the country, um, teaching ad agencies how to build smarter, rich media ads, right? How to write the action script, how to use their ad kits to build, you know, what back then were pretty sophisticated, you know, um, ads, take full page mm-hmm. takeovers and all sorts of cool stuff. And he said, I can't do it anymore. He's like, I, he, there's too many, too many meetings and he's flying all over the place twice a week. And so he asked if I would do the East Coast and he would do the West Coast. And I did that. And as part of that, what ended up happening, you know, I was on a plane once or twice a week. He was on a plane once or twice a week. Um, DoubleClick actually said, like, we're not giving you business cards. Just go in under your company name, under Studio Labs, and mm-hmm. show them how to do this stuff. And, and we'll, they paid for every – I mean, they paid us a very f- nice hourly rate to do it. We got paid for travel time. I mean, it was lovely. But the bigger thing that came out of that, doing that for three years – is I met so many ad agencies. I got, I was in there teaching their developers and their designers how to build these rich media ads. And a lot of times in most cases, the agencies were either too busy, so they couldn't do them themselves anyways, or they Mm -hmm. actually didn't have a developer on staff. They only had designers who just, for whatever reason, didn't want, I mean, they couldn't grasp the concept of the, of the code or didn't want to grasp the concept of the code. So we ended up getting all these phone calls from agencies being like, Hey, can you build us this landing page? Can you build us these banner ads? And oh, and by the way, do you build websites too, right? So our first client might have been Casio, but probably our next 50 after that were ad agencies across wow. the US who needed us to build out, again, little microsites, landing pages, banner ads, things like that. So for a very long time, almost all of our clients were ad agencies. Wow. So you were kind of moonlighting, working, building Casio and working for DoubleClick but really building a book of business for yourself. Yeah, that's, and again, it just kind of, it fell in my lap. I mean, the, the, the gentleman that, that introduced me to that, 
um, to that opportunity, like I said, he's a friend of mine in Seattle. We had worked together in 2002 on the Sydney Paralympic Games. We had built, we were part of a team that built a live, the first ever live webcast of a sporting event down there. And his team built the back end and our team designed and built the front end. And, you know, it just, it was kismet kind of, you know, he was like, mm. you want to do this? And it, it, it ended up being a pretty big, like the biggest growth spurt for the company for the first couple of years, because it was just, it was, it was, um, I was walking into agencies that needed our help, but didn't really know it at the time, you know? That's awesome. Uh, so fast forward 20 years, what's the kind of, uh, status of studio labs these days? How's business? How's this, the, the, you know, kind of work you're doing? Sure. Yeah. I mean, we still work for some ad agencies, but, but most of our clients now are, um, are, are not agencies. We work with, with, brands that everyone's heard of large companies that every every logo you know logos that everyone on earth recognizes and we work with a lot of startups that no one's ever heard of and maybe maybe most of the population might not ever even hear of right most of what we do now is very large scale complex custom um, web and mobile application development software as a uh, software as a service platform development a lot mm -hmm. of um, minimum viable product development for startups um, who need a SaaS platform built or who need a mobile application, a very complex B2B mobile application or B2C mobile application um, built, you know, and they don't have an in-house team to, to do that yet. Um, and so, yeah, the work is very different now. It is, it is no more banner ads. We don't, we're not building banner ads and landing pages anymore, but custom bespoke websites, web applications, mobile applications, and large scale software platforms. Amazing. And are you still leading the creative side of things? Are you right? When's the last time you wrote some code? Oh, it's been probably 15 years since I even pretended to try to write a line of code. We've got mm -hmm. far better folks on this team <laughs> to do that. Yep. Um, I haven't designed anything in a long time either, but I still do lead the, the creative team. Um, but we've got, we've got a director of UX um, and product uh, who is a phenomenal talent. Um, he's uh fantastic UX UI designer. We've got a team of UX UI designers that work with him. So um, my job's pretty easy at this point um, from a creative standpoint. I do a lot of scoping for the creative work. I do, um, I pitch in on the creative strategy work sometimes, but I am an operator, you know, um, my day-to-day -day is is in finance and operations and business development for, for the most part at this point. So CEO, not not doing what you started out doing. And I think there's an interesting story here. So, so many people say, I love doing design or here's an opportunity to do some design work and get paid for it. And I'm going to open a shop and fast forward 20 years. What is your day to day? Yeah, I mean, my day to day is um, a lot of financial reporting, sitting with our CFO um, and our, our, our finance team um, to make sure that, you know, the company is financially healthy. We're a very conservative, fiscally conservative company. Um, a mm -hmm. lot of um process improvement and process change, um, a lot of business development, right? So because I, um, I, I, I have a bit of a background in both the design and development side of things, um, I tend to be in, uh, involved in, you know, 70% or so of the new business work that our, our director uh, or our VP of, of, of uh, business development and marketing brings in. Um, mm -hmm. I still also bring in a decent amount of, of new business just based on, you know, uh, my network and people that I know. Um, and and uh, it's a lot of account management as well, day to day, just making sure that the clients that we do service 
um, are getting what they need from our team, that they're happy, um, and that and that we're helping them grow their businesses as well. So um, it's, I would say it's 50-50. Uh, it's not even, it's probably 65, 70% operations, finance, um, business development. And then the other half, um, just, uh, you know, making sure that our team is is happy and producing really great work and um, that our clients are happy in the end. Yeah. And so spending time with clients is still a priority for you. Do you, do you push for that or yeah. do you have other account people that run that for you? So I don't necessarily push for it. I wouldn't say that I push for it. Um, we do have we have people on this team that that absolutely take care of the clients and 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 run the accounts, run the projects um, the way that they absolutely deserve to have their their, their projects run. Um, I think from an account management standpoint, there are some clients that have been with us for a very long time, you know, 10, 12, 15 years in some cases that I want to make sure that they see my face. I want to make sure that they know mm-hmm. that I am still part of the team that is making sure that we're producing successful outcomes for them. Am I in client meetings talking about the nitty gritty of their products? Absolutely not. You know, Um, but you know, uh, I do tend to have a handful of clients that we've worked with for a long time that, that I want to just make sure that I, that I, for lack of better words, don't bail on, right. I'm still here. I'm still, you know, helping to try to make sure our team is, is producing great outcomes for you guys. Yeah. So I think, A, and I mentioned this before I hit the record button, I, you know, massively commend you for 20 years. And I think it's a heck of a run. But bigger than that, I think the story that is really impressive that I'm blown away by is I feel like running a software development agency, launching, growing it, running it, the longevity of employees you have, the kind of brands you're working for in a predominantly male-led tech industry as a woman, like I, I, my hat's off to you. And I think that's gotta be a massive uphill battle for you. And what, what's, what, what's it like? Cause I don't think, you know, we can sum that up, but like, what, what are some of the milestones that you've had to like really push through in that space? You know, um, I, I get, I get questions that, that are similar to this fairly often. And I, I have to say, I don't, think that there's a, any point in my career where um, me being a female has ever had any negative or positive. I think um, for me, I've never felt marginalized. I've never felt like mm-hmm. I wasn't taken seriously. You know, the, the, you know, the quote unquote old boys club. I, I just, I have not witnessed that. And maybe it's because I've been in tech, right. And it's not technology is, a, is typically, yes, it's a very male driven space and typically, but it's also very contemporary. Right. And so, um, I don't, I don't typically have those, those, those issues. And I haven't had those issues. The other side of that is that I've got a team here that, um, is phenomenal. Like I, I, Mm -hmm. this, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. I wouldn't be able to have the career that I have without the people that I work with. We've got a, a, a phenomenal COO, CTO, um, he is not only extremely intelligent and and technically, you know, um, just uh, able to really grasp extremely complex um, concepts and help talk our clients through extremely co- complex concepts and help our tech team, you know, our development team, our engineering team, you know, scope those concepts. And I mean, so but we've got, you know, that kind of leadership. We've got a director of production who also, you know, is just incredibly talented 
very amazing with talking to clients and, and solving problems for our clients. Um, you know, so for me, I, I, I haven't really, I don't think that there have been any weird issues in the past where, um, where I can say like, oh, I had to go through this thing. Cause it's never me alone. Like I've got a mm-hmm. team here that is phenomenal and, you know, taking a step back to that last conversation, like what is my day to day? Like I said before, 65, 70% of my day is working on the business. I don't have to mm-hmm. get into the nitty gritty of being in the business because this team really does lead, right? I can go on a two week vacation and not have any worries whatsoever that the ball is going to get dropped in any way, shape mm-hmm. or form because we've got phenomenal process that we've put in place and that we continue to evolve. Um, but I've also just got rock star people here that I am thankful for every day. Um, thankful that they want to be here every day. It's that, that is what makes this business run. Yeah. I guess I'll, I'll, I'll share some gratitude that, 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 that has not been your experience, right? That you've just been able to, you know, surround yourself with really smart, really talented people and, and just crush the work that you guys are doing. Um, so I, I guess, I, you know, I'll attribute a ton of that to your leadership and that of your team. What are some of the things that you guys put in place as like a leadership team that kind of pulls the team, you know, the rest of the team through that? Sure. I think the, the, the biggest thing in, in my opinion, right. The start, the foundation really is psychological safety, right? We have mm. a, a culture here internally where everybody knows that they have got very important things that they contribute to this team. Um, they can and should raise their hand, come up, you know, put forth ideas, question things. Doesn't matter if it's, you know, who it is that's, is, is it an intern or is it me or anybody else inside the organization? Always question things. And, um, you know, but leadership training in addition to that foundation of, of psychological safety has been a big deal for us. A few years mm-hmm. back, we, we put a handful of people through a third party leadership training that I had audited so many different third party leadership training organizations. And, and, and the one that we ended up going with, I, I couldn't have been happier. It was a, is a very unique, um, uh, and, and, and rooted in psychological safety, honestly, at the, at the ground, at the ground floor. Um, so we've now been putting people through that same training in small groups and then using the, um, uh, the learnings from that that training. It's a 12-week training course that we put people through. We, taking those learnings and then making sure that those are disseminated out through the rest of the team um, until eventually the entire team has gone through it. I don't care if you're, you've been here for a year or if you've been here for 12 years, you can benefit from this leadership training because the team is really only as good as you know, the players that are on the team, right? That's, sure. that's it. So we want to make sure that every single one of those team members knows that they have real value and that they should, um, that, that we value the things that they bring to the table. Um, we've got a director of people and uh, of culture and people experiences here who is fantastic at her job. She makes sure that everybody on this team knows um, not only the important stuff about like, well, what do you get when you work here? Benefits and what, what, you know, but really knows that they matter and, and mm-hmm. it's not lip service, right? Like this is a, we have a mentorship program. Everybody on the team has a mentor. Um, we have in, in addition to their manager, right? So there's no, it's not just like, oh, you talk to your manager. We've got a mentorship program here to make sure that people know that they, um, 
have other folks inside the organization that they can learn from and that they can teach the things that they want to, 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 mm -hmm. to, uh, to put out there as well. So, um, yeah, I, I think I, did that answer the question? I hope that answered the question. I mean, knocked it out of the park with what you guys have put into place from just a, uh, nurturing and leadership and, um, yeah. you know, taking care of your team and making sure that they know that they're appreciated and that there's a future here. Um, I, I can't tell me, tell you how many shops I know that are like, yeah, you get to work here. That's what you get. And you get a paycheck and you get some benefits <laughs> and maybe a week or two of vacation, but like, look at the logos that we're working on and you get, that's what you get. And the yeah. turnover there in those kinds of instances are typically ridiculous. And so it sounds like you, you've intentionally put in place and, and led through your leadership team that this is what we need to do to take care of people, make sure that they feel safe, they feel secure their job is intact, the work that we're doing, the pipeline, they're heard no matter what level they are, which is so vital because especially younger people coming up, they don't know how to tap into their voice and speak up and ask questions. And at the end of the day, by doing all that, the work is better that you're doing. The clients are happier. You know, and oh, so, it, yeah, it's just a great, hands great down. investment in the team. Um, yeah. Culture wise, um, you guys are somewhat in-house, somewhat remote, or you know, virtual in-house. Yeah. How yeah, does that impact offices. you guys? Yeah, I mean, at the start of the pandemic, ninety percent of our team was in one of the two offices, right? Either in New York City or in Buffalo, and obviously that changed for everybody. Um, mm -hmm. But um, right now, I, I think of the forty-five or so people that we have here, I, I want to say that. Um, maybe 10 or 12 of us are actually live in either the New York city or Buffalo area. And the rest of the team is really spread out across the country and, and, and overseas as well. Um, mm -hmm. But um, we learned a lot through the pandemic about how to make sure that we stayed human mm -hmm. when we weren't able to actually be in person in with, you know, with the folks, like everyone got zoom burnout, of course, you know, it, yep. you know, things are a little bit different now, but we put real, um, effort into making sure the team could still feel as though they still had a, a work family, right? We did, of course we did virtual happy hours, right? <laughs> Everybody did virtual happy hours, but we did also some, some really other interesting things too, right? One afternoon we hired a DJ to come sit in. We had the entire team on a, on a big zoom call. Um, they could make requests if they wanted to, but like, we basically got to sit there and have lunch, right? Talk with a DJ and like people could working on your statement of work and you had a DJ in your ear. And like, we just, we tried to do things that were a little bit more interesting like that. Um, mm -hmm. not just after work, not just happy hour, but we've, we've tried really hard to make sure that we maintain some sense of like camaraderie, um, even though we couldn't physically be in the same location and that, yeah. that, you know, now we can be in the same location and we do, we, we fly folks in from Kansas city and, and take the train up from Philadelphia into Manhattan. We, we get together when we can, but, um, but we really, we've, we've put a lot of effort into trying to make sure that, that we still have some sense of human, you know, in us when we're working all day, it's too easy when you're not in the same office anymore. It's too easy to lose that chatter, right? Mm -hmm. In the New York city office, we had a soundtrack playing, all the time before the pandemic, right? And a good song would come on and somebody would be like, oh, I remember this. And it just starts that chatter, right? And you don't, when mm -hmm. you don't have that anymore, you got to cre create ways to, to make it happen. And so, you know, we have, um, you know, team lunches um, 
you know, people can jump in when they want to, or if they don't have to, if they don't want to. Um, we have team uh, sprint reviews every other Friday. And every other Friday, we pick mm-hmm. a couple of folks on the team that can present the work that they've been doing so that the rest of the team is now brought into the fold. Like, oh, I didn't know anything about that project. That's really cool. And they present mm-hmm. what they've been doing. Um, and we do, we give shout outs. Everybody on the team goes, goes one at a time and basically says like, Hey, I'm going to shout out this guy for what he did two weeks ago to help me out on this thing. Or I'm going to shout out this girl for, you know, the really amazing job she did launching this particular product or whatever it was, you know, and that's a, that's a, that's an hour every other Friday that we get to get together and people can actually see what other people are doing and they can hear about what other people are doing inside the organization, even though we're no longer in a physical location. So. Yeah, yeah I, that's super valuable. I know a number of agencies that do that, uh, both virtually and in person. Um, and and just shedding the light on, oh, this is a, like a feature that we're building or something that we're working on or, you know, maybe they know the client, but they don't know the specifics. So love that. Yeah, um, I, yeah super just excited about the culture that you've intentionally taken the time with your team to build out and the value that that has for all of your team members. That, that goes so far. Um you want to shift gears for just a minute or so and ask a couple of random questions for you. Um, So first is what is a recent uh, digital um, delight that you're, you can't get enough of a a book, a podcast, uh, a show that you're binging? Oh boy. Um, What to choose. Um, I don't know. (laughs) You know, we, I don't watch a whole lot of TV, but honestly um, I think Anytime I'm like in a podcast or reading a book or whatever, it is most of the time it is work related. So let's mm-hmm. talk about something that's not work related, right? So again, I don't watch a whole lot of TV, but at night, you know, um, the hour or so before before I sort of turn in, my wife and I will find something to watch. And we're in the Jack Ryan series right now, which you know i didn't know much about yep. it but it's super interesting and it's it's a, it's it's engaging it makes your brain work right so your brain isn't turning off the way it kind of yep. should be turning off before before you go to bed but um it it's 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 a it's it's a great show um, we'll be bummed when when season 4 is over um i, w- I would say that 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 yeah. would be i think the thing for the last couple of weeks that has kind of given given me some sort of outside of work pleasure sure yeah, I've also been enjoying that, um, and so I get to watch that when like my girlfriend's not around because she's not into it at all. So, yeah, gotcha. I'm a big fan <laughs> of Jack Ryan. Uh, what about a a tool that you recently integrated into your your day to day, whether it's work or personal or whatever, and also whether it's like a physical or digital tool, like something that's just enhanced your life? Oh boy, again, I mean, there's. There's so much. We are going through a lot of process change right now internally, mm-hmm. um, and we're 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 in, we've introduced a, a decent amount of new software to the to the team. Um, picking one, um, I don't know. I mean, uh, I honestly I don't know that I could just pick one. Um, let me. Mm-hmm. I guess I will. Let me just say, like, uh, uh, we've got some new um, we've got some new homegrown software that we've put in place that um, two of the members of our team have been working on diligently for about two years um, that has, we looked up, we looked, we looked everywhere to try to find what we were trying to, what, th- what this thing is that we're trying to build. It gives us total visibility into project health, right? From mm. every aspect, from financial health to client satisfaction, to internal team satisfaction, um, you know, it's a it's an internal product that we've we've designed and built. Um, we just launched it in uh, we just launched it in May. 
and we're tweaking some things right now, but I would say that that's probably been the game changer for most of the team. And for me as well, it's just a, it's a, it's a total 360 project health dashboard um, that pulls data from probably pulls data from hundreds of sources um, to help us kind of get a a, a better look at the total picture. Will you sassify that for the rest of the world? That's a question that we have not answered yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> for us right I, now, it's very homegrown and it's pulling data from awesome. some some products that everybody uses, right? Like Atlassian sure. products like Jira and Slack, et cetera. But it's also pulling sentimental, you know, sentiment, you know. So it's it, I would say that it's interesting. At this point we're probably not, right? So but yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Exciting stuff. Um, very innovative. I think IP on the agency side is imperative, especially at your scale. You've got to have your own tech. So I love that. Uh, Liz, thank you so much for joining me. I'm grateful for your time and, and your experience sharing with uh, as many people want to listen to this. So thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to Bite Sized Agency Briefs. As always, if you found value in this episode, chances are someone else will too. So please share it with your network. Also, if you know someone with expert knowledge on a topic that agency owners would love, drop me a note. Let's get them on. Finally, find someone to hug today.